Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I think there are a lot of people in entrepreneurial circles, not every entrepreneur, who are really kind of a generation or a hundred years yeah. ahead in terms of their thinking. And so we are paving the way. And yes. when we talk about safe spaces, a lot of what that really is, is a safe space to be a next order human. Now is the time. You're invited to join us, a movement of leaders who are willing to step into a new approach to leadership across the global landscape. This is as simple as humanity being just you and I, and stakeholders being the value you place on each decision to add or take away from humanity going forward. Hold a minute. Stay with us. We know people like you want to play at a different scale. And these conversations help create the opportunity for you to take this up a notch or two or a whole lot more. With a curiosity, let's dig deeper behind the scenes to see the why, the what, the where, the who, and the when. From other smart humans who make smart decisions and innovate smart, sustainable solutions to narrow the gap from problem to solution. Learn in today's conversation how you can begin to do this. Come, join us. It's a privilege to have you, Angela, to have a conversation with you. I know we get to have little snippets of conversation, and I hear some of the amazing things that you're saying and questions you're asking, and I go, okay, it's time for us to actually have a proper conversation where we dive deeper. Are you ready for it? I am super ready. And as they say, game recognize games. So. Yeah, bring it on. I love that. Here's the thing, though. Look at our society right now. I'm not going to muck around because I think, you know, both of us are really passionate about people, humans having a voice at the table. And, you know, I saw a post of yours where you did happen to ask a question or a, a thought around an insight around, you know, about maybe females need to think a little bit about who they're listening to. Do you want to give frame mm. to that? Do you remember that post? I do remember it. Yeah, it was actually, it was just a thought that I stumbled on mm-hmm. when I was, I have a business and I was doing team building and built, you know, doing org chart building and vision setting and mission and sort of that working on the business stuff. And so I have great books, like I have access to great books and I read them and I implemented those plans Hmm. and they didn't work for me. And I thought I did it wrong. I was like, well, these plans don't work for me. And so then I hired a coach who had expertise in these areas. And these are like well-known, everyone uses these three books. It's what everyone teaches. So I hired people. They're like, yes, we can help you. And it didn't work for me. And again, I thought it was me. And then it suddenly occurred to me. And it was actually a woman who was in a mastermind with me who just said something in passing. And she's like, oh, yeah, it doesn't work the same way for women that it does for men. Mm. And I kind of dismissed that statement, especially because I have a lot of masculine energy. You could probably even feel that. Four oh, seconds into our I wouldn't say then we don't have any of that, right? We're so feminine. Right? You know. <laughs> so uh, I'm like, yeah, but I'm not like a girly girl. Yeah, like I, I can you. do it the way the boys do it. And 
And once that was said, I noticed this pattern, which is most coaches, not all, but mm. you know, there are a lot of male coaches, but even fe- female coaches who learned from male coaches, because now yeah. if we go one generation back, there were even more men who, by the way, learned from male professors, they, the people who were teaching business, Harvard Business School. So almost all of us that are building businesses are in a telephone tag with business ideas that came, frankly, almost exclusively from white men in the context of a business where 80 to 90% of the employees, other than the secretaries, were white men. Yeah, And so we don't realize how white supremacy and the patriarchy are just they're built into the fabric of the advice. So of course it doesn't work if you're a woman, if you're a queer person like me, if you're running a business in, you know, definitely in the context of a remote workforce. We have people in Poland, in Serbia, in the Philippines. We've got people all over the world, Australia working for us. So of course that advice isn't going to work, but it's, it's repeated, it's recycled, it's everywhere. And it's so easy as a business leader to think, oh, I'm just doing this wrong. Maybe I should read the book again or hire a coach or like I'm doing it wrong. But I don't think the right advice is out there for every business leader. I think you have to, a lot of times you have to forge your own way and just being able to make those connections between like, hey, I don't know if that advice applies in my case. I think that's like a discernment skill. Yeah, Which is look, like some higher look, order do, there's so many layers to this conversation. And, and one of them being, is it just that this is how we've always done it? This is how we're going to do it. This is, and yet if you look at society where it is at right this moment, I don't know about you, but I look at the global economic environment, the so, you know, social side of it. And I go, there's some challenges. There's some problems. There's some things that are not working. If we don't disrupt those patterns and we keep doing it the same way, we're only going to get the same results. So if that is a truth of, hey, some of these things were built around a particular patriarch, hierarchy, thinking, and maybe it served a time, that's questionable still. I still think that's questionable, (laughs) right? Maybe it did serve a time. Maybe it served an environment that people were in. Okay. We'll take that. But if we're to disrupt the pattern, it's pretty uncomfortable to disrupt that pattern. It's pretty, if you're the only one, hey, these are high coaches. These are people that know their stuff. These are books that people are reading. It is so ingrained in, in our DNA. How can we change that? How can we not think? Someone said to me the other, uh, yesterday, I was asking them a question and they go, what, are you going to go against marketing 101? Mm. And I thought that was a really interesting comment because some of this is going against what is 101. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, in my case, I'm talking about like business building 101, but there are things that are so established. We're watching globally institutions just implode on themselves. So whether it's, you know, healthcare in the US is a total disaster and maybe everywhere else, education is blowing up, governmental systems are blowing up right and left. Like, like, 
what I think happens is you invent something new, and this could be, you could think about it in your own business. You invent a new product. I'm going to do one-on-one coaching. I'm going to charge $100 an hour. And it works for a while. And then you get to like 10 clients and you're like, I don't really have enough time to see 10 clients one-on-one. Maybe I should go every other week. And you can make tweaks up Mm. until a point. Yeah. But ultimately, all of us who have built businesses in coaching realize, well, one-on-one coaching isn't going to work. Like, let me blow that up entirely and build something else. Maybe it's a mastermind. Maybe it's group coaching. Maybe it's hiring coaches. But the thing you were doing before, Mm. at some point, you can't tweak it or iterate on it. You just got to throw the whole thing out. So, you know, I don't know. Have you followed the whole defund the police thing in the U.S.? For a little bit. And then I stopped. But yeah. The idea, I mean, I don't love the marketing behind it, but the idea of defund the police, it sounds stupid. I would like someone to make sure no one breaks into my house or, you know, whatever. But the idea behind it is like, we've been trying to fix this thing. Mm. We've tried a whole bunch of, we've tried classes, we've tried purple uniforms, we've tried Jeeps as squad cars, like we've tried all these things. How about we just start over? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, right. This isn't working anymore. Yeah, but I think there's a fear. You you talked about it. Another layer of discernment. That was an interesting, I thought, response to it. I I think discernment comes, and I think that this is the greater conversation of when males go for a job. They don't hesitate to say that they've got the the skill sets, you know, all those uh, resources, they know how to do it. Us females, if we're lacking one of those, we can get challenged to even think we should apply for that role. Yeah, they say guys apply if they have 60% I know, and women, even if they're missing one thing, they do crazy, apply. Crazy concept, right? But here's the thing. If we're talking discernment and the males have this, I trust my gut. Mm -hmm. I think they've got it. They've nailed that way better than us as females. Where, how do we narrow that gap? Because I think that's the conversation we need to have is going, how do we, how do we go? You know what? Even when we don't have it all, we can, we can trust ourselves. Because here's the other thing. If we're not given opportunities at the table, how do we have that track record, which is what a lot of females are based on? Hey, has she got that track record? Does she show that she can do that? Right. right? No, I think this is the exact thing. I have women, we, I help almost exclusively. We have a few guys, yeah. brave souls, but I help almost exclusively women establish their credibility and authority by writing a book with me. And we'll bring in guest speakers. We had a guest speaker once to come in and talk about getting media. Like now that your book is out, how do you get media, which is really good. And in his speech, he was talking about how the media want to have people with credibility. And one of my authors who had just published a book, it hit bestseller status. She has a PhD. She's run a business for 20 years, Mm -hmm. raises her hand and says, well, how do I get credibility? What should I do first? Um... And I'm like, you're you're the prize, girl. (laughs) What do you think it looks like? What would be enough? I had somebody the other day who applied for my program. I accept about 20% of people. And she's like, I'm so surprised I was accepted. And I was like, Mm. let's review. 
you have two PhDs, Mm -hmm. you've been consulting for 20 years, you went to Harvard undergrad, who do you think got in? Yeah, yeah. But what, where does that disconnect come from when we look at our stuff and we're like, yeah, I went to Harvard, but I was a transfer student and I worked for 20 years, but I just stumbled into that job. And Mm. like, I know I have two PhDs, but that's because I couldn't make up my mind. Like we tell these shitty stories about ourselves. Yeah. Where has that come into culture and how do we change that? How do we disrupt that pattern? Well, I think what we, and this was part of what that post you picked up on was about. Yeah. I think what we teach women, like including me, like I fell for this. And then I was like, oh, wait, hold on. What we teach them is like copy what other people are doing. Do marketing 101. Why would you invent marketing? Right. Marketing has been invented. So we teach people to copy and then it's going to work less often for people who are different. Yeah, You know, just like with medical testing, almost all medical studies are done on, you know, white men in their 40s. And then we wonder why those drugs don't work the same on us or have the same effects. Like, so I think the meta skill Mm. for women, people of color, queer people, people that kind of fall outside that dominant caste, the goal is to build that skill the scale of confidence. I've heard some coaches talk about it in terms of capacity. Sure. Um, I like to talk a lot about discernment and it's baby steps, but you know, I love it when my clients do what I teach them, mm. but also consciously not doing what you've been taught, not unconsciously, but like, okay, I understand mm. the rule in marketing 101 is to, give away a freebie to collect email addresses. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to ever collect an email address. Like that's not what I do. I collect email addresses, but you know, I'm never going to collect an email address. That's who I am. Not because I don't understand it, but because I'm like, okay, I see what the rule is. I'm going to consciously break the rule and I have a strategy. Yeah. And I think that's the difference is when you consciously make a decision or use a lens in which you make decisions. One of the things from my work is I'm writing a white paper on the need for a new approach to leadership. I really do believe that this is the time for us to, and you know, I've had many conversations with leaders across the globe, literally, who are going, yep, we want to change the conversation. We want to disrupt the patterns. Okay, great. And then I go, so what are some of the solutions you're going to bring or that we could bring? And I think that we, not only do we have trouble of getting different people at the table for those conversations, it's really tricky to navigate those conversations because maybe we don't look all the same. Maybe we don't sound all the same. Maybe we're not even thinking the same way, but here's the thing. We could actually learn from each other. We could come up with some great solutions and realize that we don't have to come up with it all ourselves. Now, this is a whole different ballgame. It's not how it's done right now in many, many situations. We get the same looking people at the same table who are going to agree with me because I've got all the answers. I may be a little sarcastic on this one, but I'm seeing it a lot and I have a problem with it. I really, truly have a problem with it because I think, how do we disrupt those patterns if we continue getting the same people at the same tables, coming up with the same solutions, only looking a little different? Here's the question. 
what's the model for leadership yeah where you don't have all the answers yeah and look to who's doing that so i'm glad you asked that question because that is something i am working on massively one of the things that i believe is is an answer to that is using different lenses i think we need to come to conversations not saying these are the three principles to being the best leader at the table and this is how you do it but here's some lenses in which we can begin asking some questions now mm-hmm. there are ways in which i think conversations need to be navigated there's things like listening i don't think we do that well enough as humans we don't stop and one of the things i like doing is listening to you i don't know what you're going to say i don't even know what i'm going to ask next i am listening to the conversation because i want to see where we can go with this conversation i think listening is so important i think there has to be respect at that table in other words one of the things around a lot of my teaching right now and the work that i'm doing is i'm saying you know and part of this need for a new approach is that we see humanity as stakeholders. I am so strong and passionate about this. I know there is conversation whether it's gender, whether it's sexuality, whether it's uh, racial tension. There are so many things that we can have conversations around. But number 1, we need to see each other as humans first. So every decision that we make has to add value to humanity or it's not. it's taking away from. So if we come as humans first at the table with our distinctions, I want you to come with those differences. Those are the things that I could learn from. Those are the things I could gain the wisdom from. Maybe you've experienced something I have not. Maybe mm-hmm. I could learn from that. And I think that in that conversation, we have to be comfortable with the uncomfortable and we have to know that it's okay if we disagree. But I want to hear what you've got to say. I want to hear where you're going with this and maybe in the conversation the only thing we agree on is one thing and that is something that is going to you know be beneficial for humanity going forward then at least we can start changing this pattern right I want to talk about velocity though one of the things I've spent a little time with indigenous communities yeah and there is in the communities i've been in there was more of like a group decision making yeah there was much more collaboration so and collective the way the ideas were brought to the table were very gentle you know it wasn't like here's my idea it was like no. oh you know what we could think about even though it was something super important to somebody but they would yeah. be like oh no i love your idea let's go forward that just one last thought but it was always not one last thought. So <laughs> I what that. I noticed is that the speed was not easy for me. Yeah. Because we want everything. Our, yeah, I was going to say in our model it's like, mm. okay, we're going to make a decision and by Friday close of business and the thing that determines when the decision will be made by is the deadline. Yeah. But when you're listening when you're truly listening mm-hmm. it's hard to do that on a deadline. So maybe that's where we've got to change our thinking. Maybe that's where we've got to be willing to go if we start we're doing it a different way, we're going to have to change and look through different lenses that might disrupt patterns, right? Okay, good. 
And then we've got to have this conversation and maybe that conversation, maybe there's a lot of hurt, maybe there's a lot of pain in it. And so we've got to hear past some of that and then go, okay, well, you know, what can we take from this? What can we start moving something? And here's the interesting thing. You know, I've had some pretty phenomenal conversations with amazing people across the world who are facing many scary situations. And and I mean, it's life and death decisions, you know, they've got to make. Well, when they're in that situation, they've got to keep moving it forward. And so it's like, well, I've heard what I've heard. What have I got in my hand now that I can start shifting it forward? And I think there is always hope for a future. And something that we need to start thinking about is our hope, success, is not that we maybe we are only succeeding, but I think as the human race is succeeding and that we are moving it forward and we are seeing things happening, you know, and for me, that's leaving behind footsteps for generations and generations Mm -hmm. and the generations to come, right? Like I want to know that I'm not leaving behind holes in the ground, things that they've got to avoid, things that they have got to start getting back up and to even get to the surface and be able to springboard off. Well, if this is the situation, if that's what we're leaving behind, then we have to start shifting it. And that is the hope, but that is not an overnight thing. And I think that comes with the whole thing around sustainability. Sustainability is not a one quick fix. I mean, do you think it's possible that the actual pace of life and business, even our families, is based on systems that no longer serve us at the same level? Say that again. You know, I'm just thinking about the idea of running our lives on deadlines and the urgent decisions because of an outside influence. Fine. I get that. Like, I've got to make this decision today. But I know, at least in my life and in my business, there's a lot of arbitrary deadlines. Like, for instance, my quarterly revenue goal. Like, what is special? about March 31st or whatever. Like there's nothing, there's no such thing as a quarter. We just made that up. And so I'm like, I got to get my sales in so I can hit my quarterly revenue goal. Yeah. But is that like imposed, those imposed And I think, I think that we've got challenges within that. But if we only ever see it and go, oh, well, that's what we've got to do. That's how we've got to do it. It's never going to change. And it's going to take, you and I to go, you know, this is what we're going to do. And maybe there's a collective of people that can do that too and know that this is going to change the culture. I think that as long as we go, it's too big, there's these structures in place, systems that aren't working, and we keep going on about it. Boy, if I hear it again about the problems of everything that's happening out there, I'm okay for you to say about the problems if you are doing something about the solution. I am not okay if all I hear is you're joining in the noise and ranting and raving, which I see a lot of, because here's the thing, as a human society, we go where it's comfortable. We go where the crowds are because we want to be part of that. That's the connection piece. We have to realize, though, that if it's not beneficial for humans, why are we responding this way? Why? And, And that comes back to us, I believe really knowing what are we doing with our intelligences that we have. 
We as a human have many intelligences and that's physical, it's spiritual, it's emotional, it's, there's so many different things. How are we choosing and what are we choosing to do with those? And how is that going to ma- help us make better decisions? design the life that we want that is beneficial for everyone, not just us. There's a whole lot of things that I think we do as an unconscious person. In other words, we do it because of route. That's how it's been done. That's what I've seen. That's what's been role modeled to me. And the moment that we start going, is it okay to have a different conversation? Is it okay to start asking questions? And here's the other piece of this, not only just okay, but is there a place for us to do that? And mm-hmm. I think that this is that conversation of back into curating safe spaces. Yeah. We need to curate these safe spaces where we can start having these conversations. I don't know it all. I don't have all the answers. I am not giving up until the day I die for a solution at the table and to make sure that I keep moving it forward, that I see more and more people choosing to put humanity as stakeholders in their decisions first. So I have a theory here. Bring it. I think this is an evolution of the species. Yes. So if we look at like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, at the beginning of humanity, we were really focused on survival. Like Mm -hmm. we were not doing this higher order thinking. And as we've gone through different stages, humanity has evolved, but I think we're kind of reaching this new level. And there are people, people listening to this podcast, very often, but not exclusively Mm -hmm. entrepreneurs. And the reason I say that is most entrepreneurs can't operate in the old systems. I know I am unemployable. I'm with you on that one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so I think there are a lot of people in entrepreneurial circles, not every entrepreneur, who are really kind of a generation or a hundred years ahead in terms of their thinking. And so we are paving the way. And when we talk about safe spaces, a lot of what that really is, is a safe space to be a next order human. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent with what you're saying there. And I think that part of this new approach to leadership is around this leadership that are willing to evolve together as a collective. In other words, you and I have this conversation. We're evolving as we're having this conversation. Our thinking is, our questions, the layers in which we're going. And we need to be comfortable to be able to evolve even when we don't have it right. In other words, you know, in the business world, test and measure, such a good concept, so valuable. Why? Because we set something and we go, We're testing this for a period of time. We've got some measurements that give us indicators whether it works or not. A slight disruption to the conversation. I have a question for you. Are you even a little curious to see how you can use your platform to change the conversation? To maybe design solution pathways where you have certainty and afford movement? Or truly, do you want to increase your economic and cultural impact? Awesome human, if you want to lead, to pioneer a new approach, to role model what is possible and to leave sustainable footprints for the generations to come, then I would love for you to reach out to me and the team to see if we're the right fit 
to make this a reality for you. And if we're not, no hard feelings, as I know many awesome humans who may be the right one. Okay. I've included three ways in the show notes where you can begin a pathway with us on a journey to your next level. One, a strategy analysis. Two, the next growth incubator cycle. Three, a potential investment partnership. As founder and CEO of Decision Velocity Global, I'm all about building a sustainable, scalable growth ecosystem where humanity, like you, are stakeholders to design cutting-edge solution pathways and to narrow the gap from problem to solution. I want you to come on this journey with me and others and not to be left behind. There is a seat at the table for you. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. Why can't yeah. we do that in leadership? Yeah. Why can't we test and measure and evolve with that? Yeah, I think so much of it is like fear because safety mm. has been connected to certainty. Certainty is part nice. of the masculine patriarchal leadership. And so that's just, it's like all those leadership books I was reading and I couldn't yeah. do because I was trying to like be vulnerable and certain and everything was breaking. But actually being vulnerable. <laughs> now you mentioned it like that. I'm like, yeah, I could see how that would do that. It breaks things because you're yeah. it's conflict. It's the values conflict that's yeah. actually the problem. Yeah. Well, I have I have a lot of problems with trying to, build out my insights of what I'm doing with my work and then coming in in a company where it's kind of old school company thinking. In other words, based on all those leadership things. I've had a massive problem with it this year in a particular company. So that's caused grief because here's the thing, and I think it goes back to that having the people at the table that look the same, sound the same, and are going, yes, I'll do whatever you say because you've got it all right. I think as soon as we keep putting people in places where we think they've got it all right, that's already a fail because not one person has it all right. We don't all have the same perspective. We don't all have the same experiences. We don't all have the same intelligences. I want what you've got to bring to the table. I want to learn from that. I want to gain from that. I want to see how that could help me be more effective as a leader in my pathway. Well, I think that gets back to when you've got the old school thinking you know, you get the same people in the room, like I said about this challenge with this company, was I was the only one in the room that wanted to use different lenses. I was the only one in the room that thought, hey, I know this is how everyone else has done it and we want to be leading in the market in this place. Doesn't that mean that we have to think what is the next evolution of how this could look and actually start playing in that space where maybe we're learning what that could be so that we can take others on that. Yeah. And I, I think pushed I'm pushed really out good. because of that moment. I was just about to say, so I feel like I'm really good at that when I'm in charge. Ah, but yes, me, too. Struggle, me too. Right. Yeah. yeah. So where I struggle and like creating safe space, yeah. like that feel confident. What happens to me is when I join groups or I'm part of groups like my family yeah. structure, and 
I want to bring this different perspective, but I'm not in charge of leading it. Yeah. I have a little personal problem with wanting to take my ball and go home very quickly. Me too. Me so, too. yeah. Well, I, I'm I, quiet so, in that room. And is this beneficial? And is this going to change it? Because right. either you get kicked out or, by the way, I have been told this year, Kiri Marie, when I asked someone, literally asked them this question. I said, so I've heard what everyone else has said to me and about me. And I said, so is there anything else that you feel that you haven't had a moment to say? And by the way, they were pretty harsh comments. And this particular male, 45 plus, just to give perspective, he said to me, he goes, well, I really don't get you. I don't see you and I don't get you. And because you don't show any emotion. My first thought was, ah, if I show too much emotion, I get caught a bitch. Like, right. sorry, emotional, vulnerable. Don't show emotion if I don't in the show way enough emotion, then I'm a bitch. Like that is just yeah. the be all end all, right? If I am just an emotionless or I feel like I've shown emotion but not too much or too less, then I'm not showing emotion. Would that person, that male, have asked that same question to another male in that room? No effing way. <laughs> I rest my case. No way. Not for a minute. And he also wouldn't have an idea in his head about how women should show emotion. Like, how about am I adding value? Yeah. Because if you that don't would see, be no, 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 no. We've got to go back to the point before that. If you don't see me. You're never going to see the value I add to the table. Well, that's a- How many times have females, and this is not a male-female, but it is something that comes up a lot, that a male could say the same thing I just said, but because it was them, it's like they get heard. Well, how yeah. do we how do we get heard? How do we get our voice across you know the, when, when you things the, like this happen? You know the Obama administration answer on this? It's a good one. I don't. Tell me. So first week of the Obama administration, the very first appointees, like the Mm. first people there that were part of the transition team, all the women got together. They had a meeting like week one. And they're like, here's the code. If you are in a meeting with another woman, what you do is when they make a point you repeat their point and credit them and you do it immediately. Oh, I love that. Is that the sexiest thing you oh, ever heard? The sexiest thing oh. ever. But here's the problem. Here's the yeah. problem. Is that females are often the worst at supporting each other. I know. So well, how do we stop that? Is, like, well, This is such a great ground rule because mm. one of the reasons I think women throw each other under the bus yeah. is because they had an idea that was stolen by someone else, usually a guy. And so they feel like, oh, it doesn't matter what I do. I'm not respected. And so we take it out on women yeah. As opposed to the guys who are stealing from us, because we're afraid of losing our power if guys see us being emotional. Yeah. Right. So, like, what does it mean to create solidarity with women? One of the commitments I've made in any group I'm in, mm. like, as soon and as soon as I read that article about the Obama administration, I'm like, the second I hear a woman talk, I'm like, I like what Michelle said. That is I, like I love that. 
I'm like, jump in and say it. And when women see me doing it, it's amazing. I watch them start doing it. Mm-hmm. It's like ages. That's because something I'm going to do. Be catty. We're not taught what is being supportive look like. For a woman, being supportive of another woman is different than a dude being supportive of a dude. Guys are yeah. like, so what do you do again? You're an accountant. Let me throw you some business. Yeah. Yes. But we don't, we haven't been trained in what it looks like. We trade in ideas. And mm. when our ideas get ripped out, it kills our self-esteem and we become hostile. So support other women's ideas, women, people of color, anyone yeah. that is in the room that had to work a little harder for a seat. Exactly. Table. I love that. And the other side of it is I like celebrating because uh, one of the things I don't mm-hmm. see is us celebrating other humans, you know, often it's like, we want to be celebrated, but I actually really love celebrating other people, their wins and making sure that if it doesn't matter how big it is, I know that that was a win for them. I want to celebrate them because I think we don't do that enough in society. And I think as females, just going back into the female talk, we don't do that enough for each other. Like in ourselves, we don't celebrate it as a self. Correct. Yeah. I'm like, I don't even do it enough. Whereas you'll hear a guy go, hey, by the way, just bought this new car because I just had this win in business because of this. And they don't even think about that, right? I'm thinking that maybe if we celebrate ourselves more, and right. then celebrate each other more, maybe that yeah. will have a domino effect as well. Yeah, I think that's really key. I'm always thinking there's going to be something in the future to celebrate. You know, mm-hmm. it's like I'm waiting. If I got 10 clients, I'm waiting till I get 100. If I got, you know, whatever. If I got well, a I used to, I used to think like that. I used to think like that. I'm such a future person, but I also like the now. Mm-hmm. And I've learned the power in the now going, well, and, and one of the things that I was just thinking, one of the things that I do every single day is, did I get done today? Whatever I humanly possibly could have done today. And if, if there's and then still... Celebrate. Give me, uh, give exactly. me some advice here. Well, actually, I got this done today. I think people celebrate with wine. <laughs> there's maybe too much celebrating okay, with wine. So, I survived so with other people, I love a good wine. With clients, I have to say when we're face-to-face, I drink a lot more wine. I don't drink in between. I actually don't even think about drinking. I get given these beautiful bottles, and I love having beautiful bottles to celebrate when I'm with someone, but I never think of opening up those bottles myself. So a celebration would be... What would a celebration? I love the physical. Actually, today I got such a surprise before I came out to do this recording. And and it brought a smile to my face because, and, and for someone else, this might not. But there were gloves on my desk and wrappings. And what it is, is the guy that is going to be training me, boxing, had put them beside my desk. That is a win. That is something I'm excited about. I would go do something physically because I love the physical. I love that feeling. I love the space of time where I go, there's nothing else worrying me because I've done it all and now I can do this. Or I would go and spend two hours walking. That's why it was so hard for me when I ended up in a wheelchair and told I'd never walk again because I'm such a physical person as well as an intellectual. Like the, I just love working all the areas of my thing. That would be exciting. I would love to sit down and do more study and learn, which I am doing at the moment. So for me, a win would mean 
okay, I've done what I needed to there. I got a win there. Now I've got time to do some of these things that maybe haven't been so much priority because I haven't made them priority, by the way. And now I'm able to make that time. So time for me and using that time in the way that I want to, that is a celebration. Hmm. Yeah. What about you? How do you celebrate other than a glass of wine? So I really don't celebrate with wine. I, that's like, I'm the worst drinker in the world. No, but I think for me, one of the things that I learned about celebrating is has to do with the waiting as well. So I used to buy like nice hand cream or nice perfume or a new shirt. And growing up, my mom would always say, we'd always go shopping. My mom would always say, when we get home, put your new things away. Hmm. And then sometimes I would wear the new shirt the next day. And my mom would be like, why are you wearing that? You just got it. Hmm. And I was so I developed this thought that when you get something new, you should save it for a special occasion. Hand cream, a beautiful Mm. candle, new perfume, a new shirt. They are all meant to be saved for a special occasion. And so I had just drawers full of things being saved. So I would use like the crappy lipstick, but I had like amazing. Really good one. Yeah. I was saving it for a special occasion and then it would rot. Like I literally, everything just rotted because I was waiting for a special occasion. I never knew when was it good enough. So one of the ways I celebrate on a daily basis Mm. is just like not only using my nice things, but enjoying it and experiencing gratitude for like I have $50 hand cream. How fucking lucky are you in the world if you can have? $50 $50 hand cream. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I have a candle I paid $99 for. Yeah. Like you can have a hundred dollar candle. Like, and so when I light it, I love that. It's beautiful. It smells nice. But I also have this moment of gratitude of like, yep, it's a special occasion. I call it 5 p.m. on a Tuesday. (laughs) That's so cool. I love that. So how do we now, knowing what we've talked about, how do we do that more and get, you know, different people at the table, create these safe spaces and, and change the conversation up? Like you and I have been able to do that today. But how do we do that with the collective? How do we start you know, changing the way in which culture has been created to get us this far to go, maybe we need to disrupt that a little. Yep. I do think the key here is values-based leadership Mm -hmm. and getting people to identify values at a deeper level. I would even say, going back to that Maslow's hierarchy of needs things at a more spiritual level. Yeah. Because if our values are the bills, Mm. you're going to have very different conversations than if our values are up-level humanity. Okay, I've got to let you in on something. One of my collaborative partners and I are working on this, and it's it's because of around what you're just saying there. And that is that I feel extremely that it's easy for us to have indicators in our culture within our organizations for getting us, you know, increasing our bottom dollar, for, you know, 
making sure we're, our team are on, you know, and the key performing indicators for those. But one of the things that I think isn't being done well and is a gap is knowing and assessing how we can be more effective. Maybe things are going on at home. Maybe things are that are creating this this whole mental health thing. Maybe I've not got as much confidence because I'm actually not feeling so good about who I am and I'm overweight and I need some, you know, like to make sure. What if we had indicators in our organizations that gave us as a whole person the health of the organization? How would that change what culture is doing? And so I'm looking at how could we do that? And, and part of that is that there's so many variables to values. There's so many things that we see is important. So, you know, making sure that maybe there's some core things, but then we need to go down into different variables. That's huge and something that I'm spending quite a bit of time trying to figure out how we can do that and, you know, have an assessment that we could look at the health of the whole of the company, you know, you rock up at a company or a business and you don't just have to put on a different hat. You're you, you bring, yeah. Right. That's huge. Yeah. I think that's huge. And none of those business one-on-one books work around that. Like they're all concept is so transactional. I mean, it's about pay fairly and give clear leadership, but the idea that you would just show up in business to help and support others to be fully expressed in every way as humans. But here's the thing about it. Here's here's the cool thing about it though, right, Angela? Here's the thing. It would help with retention. It would help 100%. with your bottom dollar. Dollar. It will help with productivity. Yep. Right. It will help with mental health in the organizations. Yep. That's the thing that's so. But it's that's not in any of the books I looked. I figured that. I've been looking. Okay. I've been searching. I've been trying to find out. I'm ca- trying to come up with ways in which we can do it. And I think that this is. This is that next level. This is the evolving that we need to do. This is the the tricky piece, the new conversations, but it's exciting too. Yep, absolutely. And there are people leading the way on this. Like I look at the way the CEO of Patagonia has run yeah. his company, which is pretty cool. There are some co-ops in Brazil that have some pretty different business models. But I think if I were going to walk away from this podcast with one takeaway is like, how are you falling into doing the same thing in business and marketing and your family and your health? How are you falling into doing the same thing? And how can you really disrupt those patterns consciously? Even if you're continuing the patterns, if we can just get conscious, that to me is the first step. Yeah. So how are you doing that? I mean, for me, the way yeah. I, like I do, it's the question everything is one of the key. Yeah, values. I love that. Yeah. It's just like, wait a minute, hold on. We're doing, you mentioned key performance indicators. Hmm. We're doing key performance indicators. And a lot of times we're doing the ones that the last person in the job had or that the book said we should do. And it's asking like, are we measuring the right thing? And then we do them monthly. 
because there's an arbitrary calendar that Caesar created or something. I'm not sure. Is monthly the right amount of time? Like Mm. all of those decisions that seem like they're a best practice, best practices, they're not holding up the way they used to. Yeah. So let's be willing to keep that. I mean, we, I mean, I do happen to do a weekly meeting on Mondays. I'm not saying blow everything up for the sake of blowing it up, but really ask yourself, I mean, maybe every 10 days makes more sense. You can send out calendar meetings now. People aren't going to get so confused if you did a meeting every 10 days. You don't have to do it every week or every other week. Oh, here's one that I do. This is one of my favorite (laughs) teeny tiny little hacks. I grew up in corporate and the idea was meetings are an hour and they start at the top of the hour. Mm -hmm. I never questioned it for years and years and years. Just how it was done. This is how it's done. And I started having meetings that are variable time lengths. Mm. So when someone asks me for a meeting, I have like four different time lengths. I have 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 45 minutes, and an hour and 15 minutes. An hour is almost never right for me. I end up BSing for 15 minutes. Or I need an extra 15 minutes and then I'm late for the next meeting. Or we could knock it out in 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah. And it's done. Yep. So my meeting requests are all like, talk to Angela slash 15 minutes, talk to Angela slash 20 minutes. And when I tell people, let's have a meeting, I don't say, let's have an hour meeting. I don't even say, let's have a 15 minute meeting. I just say, let's have a meeting. Here's my calendar link. Yeah. And you can see right there, it's going to be a 15 minute meeting. Like... But I don't have to explain it. We don't have to have a conversation. I'm not slighting you. I've estimated based on my values and priorities how long I would like to spend on this meeting. Yeah, so good. I love that. You know, a couple of hacks. Now we're talking about hacks, but a couple of hacks. One was, and I've done this for years with clients. I used to say, we do the 89 day cycle. And the yeah. reason being is they'd go, why don't you do 90 days? I said, because everyone else does. And I know I'm going to be finished before them and starting on the next before everyone else. And I love that, right? So that worked in my my that. way that I do things. The other one is uh, I don't like having all these calls where you have to like go, is this the right person in this world? And um, what do you, what can we add to each other? And I go, you know what I can do? I can put on a show and I can do that on a daily basis. And I can, anyone that wants to connect in my world, I'll say to them, this is great. This is awesome. We, we can have a conversation, but we're going to press live. And so here's the thing, here's the thing, it already gets rid of people who are not willing to do that. If you're not willing to give, then you're not, you're not my peep anyway. So it filters out. And even if I may never have another conversation from you, there may be something and we always learn something from each other from a conversation. So there's always something I will take, something they will take. I ask it at the end. And then I go, but someone else might have got something from that learning, from that conversation, that maybe if I'd had that behind the scenes, I would never have got that, learnt that, and no one else would have either. So in at the same time, you're pressing live, so it's extra marketing that you can use, right? So I... Just, it works so beautifully in my world. It has attracted the right people in my world. And now 
I get to have fun on things and I don't have to do those stupid cores that I didn't know what to do before. Right. Yep. So I love that. Girl, we could talk for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. This has been amazing. You know, I always, I, I do like to say though, at the end of it is I want to give you the voice. Like if, if there was something that you haven't been able to say today, if there's something that we haven't talked about, if there's something that maybe is just like you're like, oh, I wish I had gone down that bit, here's your moment. Is there anything that we haven't said? I just always like to give my favorite piece of advice because it's the it was the key for me. There's that mm. great Fez poem about uh, dropping the keys for the rowdy prisoners. This is my key for the rowdy prisoners. Want to get your set yourself out of your own jail was be willing to suck. Mm. Those four words were the most important words that I ever learned. Just like be willing to put yourself out there and make mistakes. There's no teacher. You're not going to get a grade. They lied to you about the permanent record. There is no permanent record. <laughs> Just show up, do your best in the moment. And when you know better, do better, as my Angelou like to tell us. So I love that. How, do, how have you learned to do that better? Because you are, like, I don't know about you, I had to work at failure. I actually had to embrace it for a year and a half, literally. That was my word. Yeah. Yeah. I did it for nope. a year. I set myself the task for a year and I still sucked at it. So I, I did another six months. By the end of it, I never saw them as failures. I saw them as opportunities. Oh, I love that. Mm. Yeah. I think for me, I wanted to be good for so long. You know, I wanted mm. to get in school. I wanted to be the best. And the minute I heard this concept, I think I heard it in reference to like failing fast, like Silicon Valley, some yeah. sort of fail fast tech something. And I remember the minute I heard it, it felt that those words felt like liberation to me. Mm. Like I was like, oh, finally, it just took all the pressure off. Wow. And for me, a, like a very boring, it will put people to sleep book. But for me, it was like a game changer was a technology book called The Lean Startup by a guy mm. named Eric Reese. And I read this book, it's like Six Sigma Black Belt, how to get your, improve your processes and system. But it's all about how to fail Mm. in this objective way, like with software development, like you're yeah. going to, you're going to release the software, it's going to be broken, yeah. then you're going to get feedback, and then you're going to know what to fix. Yeah. And I was like that, I can do that. I can do that. Wow. So I became a lean devotee, just because it made so much more sense to me yeah. to iterate and optimize instead of trying to figure it out. And that was after 40 years, 35 wow. or 36 years of like trying to figure it out and feeling like a failure every day. And then I was like, oh, what if failure is winning? <laughs> so. I love that. And I just want to thank you, Angela, for just being you, being the voice that you you use your platform to be a voice and to give voice. And, you know, that takes guts, that takes discernment. It takes someone who believes in what, you know, and strong and who they are. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for being an awesome human who is, you know, who puts other humans and at the table and going, hey, I've got your back. 
And I think that this is so important in the world. And I want to celebrate that piece of you because, you know, you are a strong female that has a voice and you're using it and you're, you're not leaving behind destruction. You're, you're building up others to come on that journey with you. So keep doing what you do in this world. We need more of you. We need more of, well, not you, because I think there's only room for one of us. The world can't cope with it. Two, two Angelas like you or Kira Marie's like me trust me they can't but what I mean by that is you know you are a role model that is helping to pioneer for the next evolution of what leadership needs to look like so thank you amazing droplets of wisdom for you from today's episode make sure you subscribe leave awesome ratings and reviews our hope is that this product creates a new awareness activates ownership to what is next and a curiosity for the need to be a part of the change to make footsteps of sustainability from today onwards. If you want to further your journey with us, join us at our next Global Human Intelligence Forum or apply to our next Leaders Movement Parlor. Both links are in the show notes. We appreciate you. Help us to build a tribe and make humanity as stakeholders. To achieve this together, recommend this podcast to leaders, innovators, pioneers, future thinkers, and movement changers. Big love. See you on the next Global Human Intelligence Podcast.